0: My name is Cody Sperberger, The Clever Investor, and I'm here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams and your goals so you can give bigger with your profits. Welcome to the
1: Go Big to Give Big podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Go Big to Get Big podcast. And today's guest is the man behind the brand, the clever investor, Cody Sperber. I've been following Cody for a while on social media because he is so raw and real. And you'll find that in this episode, Cody is well known for being one of the first real estate investing influencers on social media and uses his social media presence to help educate and train thousands of investors on how to build wealth through real estate. On the show, we stay away from the real estate conversation and spend a lot of time in the self-development space and how more people need to be real with themselves and start learning about how they need to deal with their past traumas in order to show up as the best version of themselves. Along with all the self-development talk, we go deep into why Cody believes in giving back from his development company and how they have raised over $1 million from running live events. Cody is an incredible human, and I am super excited for you to get to experience the energy he brings to our podcast. So without waiting any longer, here is our conversation with the clever investor himself, Cody Sperber. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Go Big to Get Big podcast. And I'm here with the incredible Cody Sperber today. Cody, thanks so much for joining us, man. Yeah. Appreciate you guys having me on. Excited to uh, share a little bit. Yeah. I'm excited to jump into this. I know you've been pretty hard into the personal development lately and you've just built this mindset that is super tough and very hungry for some of the uh, the future stuff you're getting prepared to do. And we'll dive into that a little bit, but uh, for our audience that might not know your full story, I'd love for you to just kind of hit some some touch points on uh, you know your come up story, a little bit of how you created this incredible brand called Clever Investor. Um, but I'd also love for you in there just to touch a little bit on you know the moment that you realized that you were kind of like, oh, this is it. I'm I'm going a little bit big. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit those followers. I'm stepping into the limelight, and I'm gonna go after some of that success. Uh, inside your life. So in your story, if you can just kind of push people that way, that would be awesome.
0: Yeah. So sh- the short version is I didn't grow up with a lot of money, didn't really have a path. If you would have asked me as a little kid and what I wanted to be, I would have said a ninth grade history teacher or a uh, marine biologist. That was kind of like the dream job, you know? And then um, I, I, when I got older, uh, we moved around a ton a- when I was a little kid. And so I was kind con- of constantly moving state to state. I think I moved like 10 times by the time I hit sixth grade. And so I was constantly moving around, didn't really have direction, never really kept a a set of friends because we kept moving. And so there's a lot of uncertainty and turbulence in my life. And I just was going to high school. I didn't really like high school. I was bullied a lot. I was pushed around. I I was a smart mouth kid with uh, with that that is in like a 13 year old's body. Like very late bloomer like not the right guy getting fights. I was getting beat up all the time, and so I just was kind of like, I was lost. Honestly, I was lo- I was smoking a lot of weed. I was lost. I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I try actually. I graduated high school, and I tried college for half a day. I went to community college for half a day. I made it like three hours, and then walked off campus and never went back. I was so out of place; it just didn't feel right. I, it wasn't for me at that time, and so I was floating there for a while, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And you go to the only person that yeah. You- Have in your life, whoever that is. For me, it was my dad, and I said, "Dad, what should I do?" And he said, "Well, get a job, start a business, or go in the military." You know, so I ended up uh, choosing to go in the navy. My dad was in the navy, and I chose to go in the navy. Best thing that ever happened to me. Pulled me out of that environment. I stopped doing drugs. I started caring about my health. You know, they teach you discipline. They teach, they kick your butt, and they force you to level up and man up. And even though it was tough. And I cried the whole entire time. I was a big baby about it. I came out the other end. I made my bed. I shined my shoes. I marched straight. Finally, you know, like I, I cared. You know, I started to care, and I started to gain some confidence. And I did my four years. Traveled the world. Had an absolute freaking blast. We can get into Navy stories in another podcast because those are a lot of fun. Uh, but then, when you're getting out of the Navy, it's like getting out of prison. You really don't know what you want to, what you're going to do, and. Unfortunately when I was in the Navy coming from Arizona when I signed up I had never been on a boat or a ship or anything <laughs> like that so I didn't know I get seasick I get violently seasick so my marine biology career went right out the window and then when I was leaving the Navy I I went down to back to San Diego State University and I talked to some of the history professors to kind of fill them out they were like making fun of their job right they they were like we don't make any money I have a second job like it's cool if you love history, but you're not going to like get ahead in life. And so, uh, fortunately, uh, the MGI bill paid for my college. I went to college and while I was there, I got really lucky, huge, lucky break. A friend of mine flipped a house, made a ton of money, pulls up in a brand new Mercedes. My jaw hit the floor because we were broke, broke as a joke together, scraping together a few bucks to buy a, a beer, you know? And it's like, sharing beers with each other because we had no money. Uh, and and here he is with a brand new car. And I said, how'd you do it? And he told me about this real estate concept called wholesaling. And my mind was blown. And I was instantly hooked. I wanted to know more. I went down this huge rabbit hole. This is 18 plus years ago. No information online, no social media, just flying all over the country, going to guru seminars, <laughs> buying every book and tape and course. And I fell in love with real estate. I really did. I fell in love instantly. I knew I had a path, I was obsessive over it, I dreamt it, I talked about it, I couldn't stop, it was like 24-7, I was hooked on real estate, very difficult to do real estate, that's a whole nother podcast, my first year sucked, failed miserably, and uh, um, it wasn't until I got a mentor that I finally started cracking the code and got ahead and did my fir- first deal at the 14-month mark. I want everybody listening to wow. think about this, imagine you fall in love with something, and you see that it can build you wealth. You see that it, there's an opportunity there. You're, you, you, you love it. By the third or fourth month, all that new enthusiasm, that new relationship energy is fading away. By the sixth month, that voice is very loud in your head. And by the ninth month, your parents are sitting you down saying, you're making a mistake. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? And your friends are making fun of you. And all that big talk of becoming a real estate millionaire has gone right out the window. Now everybody's like, go get a job, you know. And uh, it took me 14 months. So do you have what it takes to stay the course for 14 months before you get your first deal? That was, that was a tough thing for me. I, I probably quit three or four times through the process, but thank God I stayed with it and I found a mentor and I finally did a deal. And rest is history. I've done thousands of transactions all as an investor. I had my real estate license for a very short period of time, but that's not what I am. I'm a real estate investor. I flip houses. Now, 18 years later, I've dominated the business. I've probably done 3 or 4000 deals. I uh, own a development company called Green Elephant Development. We are a for-purpose business. This is part, of, you know, the big purpose of your podcast and why I'm even on. Uh I I I built into the business model, you know, a give back component which we can talk about. And I bought a title company and I own a wholesaling operation and a lending company and I parlayed my real estate riches into, like, seven other businesses. I own a supplement company, uh, a, so- a software company, a data company, a VA company, a, um, I feel like I'm missing some. I, I own, like, seven businesses, and it's all stemmed from staying the course in real estate, never giving up, cracking that code, and, yeah, now, now I'm known because I blew up on social in. 2011, 12, 13, I really leaned into different social platforms. And I was the first big real estate influencer out there that really used video marketing and and content creation to get my message out. And that's how people know me. They know me as the Clever Investor. They follow my pages to get daily inspiration and entrepreneur conversations, some financial literacy conversations. And I'm like one of those real raw guys. Like If I'm like getting my butt kicked, I'm talking about it. If I'm winning, I'm talking about it. If I'm going through marriage problems, I'm talking about it. Because that's that's real, you know, being, a real, being an entrepreneur is tough. I think that's something that's been super attractive
1: uh, about following your social and being in your circle is just knowing like you are real and raw and the way you show up is the way you show up. There is no candy-coated nothing on social media versus in person versus at events. Like you are who you are. And that's one thing I love. And uh, the leadership quality or trait is something that you've been uh, has obviously been a part of your life. You won an award uh, in the Navy for leadership and team leader and stuff like that. Has has leadership always been something that you're aware of that you've had that quality or trait? Or is that something you had to learn once you got into the Navy or even after that you had this ability to be a leader and and run teams and things like
0: that? Well, just think about um, what I said. I'm, I'm moving from state to state. I'm kind of intellectually or, or from like a my wit was very quick. My processing was always really fast. I always had ADHD. I was a very sharp kid, but I was a very immature kid. And so you, de- you fail miserably. A lot of friendships fail. A lot of relationships fail. And there was a lot of loneliness, a lot of sadness. And you start to develop an ability of human connection, an ability to influence and persuade. And it started very slowly as a kid. And then as you become an adult and you get into business, I was so naive in the beginning. I thought everybody was nice. I thought everybody wanted to collaborate. I thought everybody wanted to help each other. And then you do a real estate transaction and it's cutthroat. Everybody wants to kick your butt and push you out of the deal and push you around. And And you realize very quickly, oh, I can apply that. I actually have to master this skill because really everything I do from I've sold over $85 million dollars through video marketing, direct response marketing in uh, my company, Clever Investor, over the last 10 years, probably over 90 million. And it from that to sitting down at a kitchen table, working in a real estate deal, or to even building a relationship with you guys at an event or in person, sales persuasion influence is the thing. It's the whole thing. And if people study it, the psychology, the human experience, and make people feel a certain way. And can, and I, I've learned to connect very quickly. Everything else kind of falls in place. The money will come. The sales will come. The alignment will come. The uh, being able to enroll people into your vision happens. And that was it. So I had it. It was unrefined. It, But then as I became an adult, I, I focused on it. And I'd had a lot of great mentors like Teen Graciosi and Joseph McClellan and Tony Robbins. and Great people in my life that I've been lucky enough to get proximity to. And I just study their greatness. Their, that's their greatness. And I want some of it. So I study it. That's incredible, man. I
1: love that. And uh, it's a perfect direction. I want to take this a little bit now. It was getting into some of that personal development space. Um, I know you've you've had your butt kicked a bunch and you've had to learn how to to get tough and, and where you're at. And uh, right now, I feel like there's just a big need out there for people to be raw and real like you are on social media and just really inspire people to live a more Uh, meaningful life live with purpose and and go through some of that so what are you doing right now for for personal development to continue to hit that grind when things are getting tough and making yourself tougher and i know you do a lot of running and 75 hard and things like that so what is it that you're correlating to building that toughness to right now
0: well first off i feel like the most successful people dominate uh routines right great great Daily routines. And so I have a great daily routine that works for me. I'm an early riser. I have a very strong morning regimen that includes physical fitness. Um, I don't check social media. I don't check the news. I'm not, I don't allow any negative, toxic thoughts into my mind when I first, my first part of my day. I'm not checking email. I'm not reactive. I'm proactive. And so that was a key part of it. I took that from the Navy and applied it to life. You know, they, caring about your mornings and in your routines and so that was part of it i don't waste downtime meaning like i don't i don't sit around and watch sports i don't sit around and watch TV. like if i have any free time i'm listening to personal development audiobooks or podcasts um you mentioned 75 hard that's a great it's it's if you don't know what that is it's a physical fitness type of challenge but it's really mental fitness it's 75 days of Really mentally pushing yourself and pushing your boundaries. I've done it three or four times. I love it. It's very difficult. It's great. It it does physically change your body, but it it really mentally makes you tougher. Being an entrepreneur, you obviously have to be tough. You fail enough. You you sit in that pain. And I say this all the time like pressure will, you know, crack a pipe or make a diamond. You know, it's like really up to you how and we get paid for pressure when you really think about what we do, our job as entrepreneurs is always to think big and try to get involved in the biggest thing we can and, the, and solve the biggest problems we can. I don't want to deal with small problems. I want to deal with big problems. The challenge is when you first start, you're not prepared to handle big problems. You're, you're not strong enough yet. and You got to gain those skills and capabilities through a lot of studying, a lot of mentorship, a lot of personal development, trial and error. And so th- while I do all that personal development stuff and and I'm not talking about the woo-woo manifestation crap. I'm talking about like putting in real work where you're going to war on your bad habits. You're identifying the things that are holding you back. The drugs, the addiction, the the porn, the the um overeating, the wasting time, the 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 chase for achievement. A lot of people hide their pain by chasing achievement. You know, I was one of them. I know. Um the real work doesn't come from reading or listening to those things or doing 75 hard the real work for me comes from really understanding your inner child knowing that where that pain comes from and knowing how to connect with yourself and love yourself i cannot give what i do not have if i if i'm in a relationship i can't love you unconditionally if i don't love myself unconditionally and it took me a long time to understand that, like that, really, when you're when you're born, you're born with this like innocent inner child. It's a beautiful child. Like if you, if I asked you to write down your uh, the the things that your inner child is, right? You might say it's artistic and it's creative and it's fun and it's energetic and it's wholesome and it's loving and it's caring. But then as we go through life and the environment or relationships, maybe you grew up in an environment where there's addiction or abuse or lack of love or chaos or uncertainty, that changes you. And you fraction off this wholesome inner child and all of a sudden you develop a secondary child, right? And that secondary child is just trying to take control, just trying to like have some stability. And that's the one that as an adult desires achievement. That's the one as an adult that goes into the addictions and and hides the pain and for me i got really good at compartmentalizing pain and i'm going deep here guys i'm sorry but this is important because there's a lot of people that never get to their full potential because they don't address this one thing i had to step back and go to real therapy i it like it's like having open heart surgery on your inner child i went to a week-long intensive 13 hours a day, seven days a week, intensive therapy, EMDR, horse therapy, 40 hours of one-on-one, 30 hours of group therapy. I did acting therapy where I had to act out my pain. Like, you have to go deep, and EMDR is like these buzzers and this light bar, and, like, you have to go so deep and go back. I built a trauma egg. I've never even heard of a trauma egg. A trauma egg is literally everything that's ever happened in your life, chronologically, with the meaning behind it, what you did about it, what should have happened, what you would do differently. And what you realize is you have all these, you have these fractional things that happen to you. And I got good at compartmentalizing. I got good at varying. And it wasn't until I really went deep and I got to the point where that 13-year-old kid that was out of control, that was losing friends, that was immature, that felt like I had no hope in life, that was hiding behind drugs, I had to go back and address that kid. And really look him in the eye and say, you know what? It's unfortunate some of the crazy things that happen in your life, but I love you. And you are loved and you are safe and you are wanted. And you are and when you start really connecting with yourself, your relationships, everything starts opening up. So that's the real work. If if you can, if you guys can look in the mirror and say, you know what? I'm a fat mofo right now. I'm out of control. My eating's out of control. Or I watch porn three times a day. This is out of control. I need to stop this now. Or I'm not able to connect with my significant other because I don't even love myself. And I'm hiding in work. And I'm using achievement as the vehicle when I'm feeling miserably spiritually or feeling miserably in my relationship. Until you address it, you will never unlock the next level and really be able to go big and make lasting impact.
2: Dude, Cody I'm so glad that you made that distinguishment between like that physical fitness element and that like get tough aspect of, of the personal development which I think there's a place on and those challenges are very rewarding um, but the I've always found too like the, the self-awareness aspect of personal development has always given me like the more profound pieces of my growth and have catapulted me to those new levels like you almost like the the self-awareness is almost like the boss of the level, and you have to beat that boss to get to the next level or like pick up that new piece of armor or that new weapon or whatever in a video game type of analogy. In in that self-reflection type of self-awareness space, what was the what was the best
0: question you ever asked yourself? Best question I've ever asked myself. Or maybe one that you're asking. Well, yourself. it was probably more like, are you worthy of love or, or are you capable of real unconditional love? Look, people see me, and I gun- I'm i always gunner, right? I'm aggressive. I chase big goals. I kick butt. I, I tell people how to do business with me. I push things around. I'm like a master chess player when it comes to the money game. I understand it. I love it. I obsess over it. I, when people see it, they're like, wow, this guy's like on, really on. But what they don't see is the pain that drives me. What they don't understand is the work that I'm putting in behind the scenes to really connect with myself. I don't lead with that because, you know, it's hard to lead with that sometimes, but it's there. And the older I get, the more I realize that it's not, I used to think it's 90% technical. Young Cody, enthusiastic Cody, if you would have told me, hey, let's go do some personal development, really work on ourselves, I'd say, yeah, yeah whatever. I don't have time for that. I have youthful energy. I'm ready to go dominate. I got to make money now. Just give me the playbook and get out of my way. Now I understand that it's 90% personal development, only 10% tactics. And the majority of your time should be focused on health, spiritual connection, and personal development. The tactical business side of things will, will come when you are connected to yourself and you really have clarity on who you are, and how you want to roll through life? That's it. What, what do you think is the biggest misconception
2: about personal development?
0: It's a, I mean, I know for me, it was just, it was too woo-woo. Like, I'm not, I'm not, a, I, ro, I, ro, I wear a, uh, I, nothing wrong with feminine men or men that are really soft. I think there's a great thing about the soft side of a man. Uh, I just carried my masculine as a shield, you know, and so the woo-woo didn't connect with me. I didn't want to slow down and do breath work. I didn't want to slow down and do manifestation or uh, journaling. Like, that to me was homework and painful, and it sounded like nails on a chalkboard. Hmm. However, I will say this. My, my wife is a somatic release breath work uh, instructor. When she first started getting into it, I refused to do it for like a year. I finally went and relented and did it. One of the best things I've ever done. To to really take a time out and connect I went so deep in the you go real deep in these sessions. And, and uh the connection, the empathy for yourself, the clarity that you come out of these things with like this stuff really works. And guess what happens after I take just a little bit of time to work on myself and go deep. My next couple weeks, I'm on absolute fire. I'm murdering every conversation. I can see the future. Things are super clear. I'm confident. I have un- like unlimited energy. Yeah, And it's because I slowed down long enough to just connect. And so that's it. That's the secret sauce. Yeah, I love
1: this personal development talk. And I'm sure we could spend hours here going deep into it. I, I want to pivot just a little bit right now and, uh, and dive into your new venture that you're going on where you're, you're starting a podcast, which is cool. I think it's called mm-hmm. the, the Cody Sperber experience or whatever it is. And um, so what what made you want to start a podcast and get deep into these conversations? Because I've listened to a few of your episodes and you don't just do a quick fluff episode of how do you make million. Like you're going deep with people and asking questions to get them to open up in ways they never have before. So what's exciting you about it? What is it about and where did the idea come from?
0: Yeah. So it's called The Clever Investor Show. Hmm. And uh, I've recorded maybe like 15, 20 episodes so far. I've been working on it kind of secretly behind the scenes for the last like six months. Being Cody Sperber is great. I have a lot of great connections. I've worked really hard over the last 18 years to build some relationships with the top authors, speakers, trainers, mentors, thought leaders in the in the, in the the entrepreneur space um, and the health and fitness space. And I'm just fascinated by success. I believe it's your obligation I don't think it's an option. I think it's your obligation. And Ed Milette has a great conversation he does about being the one. And I've always felt that way in my family. I'm the one. You know, I'm the one that went to college and got straight A's. I'm the one that, and I'm and I'm bad at school. Like I had to work really freaking hard. I'm the guy that dropped out after three hours. You know, and then to go back after the Navy and dominate and get straight A's, I had to really set a goal, work really hard, and probably 10 times harder than anybody else because I'm just not naturally smart like that. And uh, uh, to graduate and then to become a millionaire by 28, a multimillionaire by age 30, like how did I do it? I was a weed-smoking sm- moron. And here I am killing the game. And I was the one out of all of my friends to light up and and kill it. And when I see other people killing it, I want to study them and-, and understand them more. But I don't really care about money. I never have. Money, to me, was just a tool. In the beginning, I thought I was going to make $4,000 a month. That's how big my thought process was. I'm like, if I could do real estate, make four grand a month, I'm set for life. And then you hit it, and like any goal, the post moves, and eventually you set a bigger goal, and a bigger goal, and your confidence grows. And next, you know, you're like, is it insane for me to think I can make a million dollars in a month? Is that insanity? Like, that is kind of insane, but let's go for it you know and then you hit it you know i made eight million in a month and it's just like i don't know how i did it but we did it you know and uh and now i'm looking at it like how do i make a hundred million dollars in a year and it's only because i'm exposed to these people that i'm interviewing and it's not really to me what's interesting is that the money it's more the understanding of like like what you're asking me like how do you roll through life what's your relationships like who are your mentors what are your big fears? Where does your pain come from? Are we alike? Like, do we both? Like, for me, I'm just going to be brutally freaking raw with you guys. Right? For me, I hid an achievement and I sexualized my pain. That was me. You know? And, yeah, I could go dominate business and I'm also a fucking deviant. You know, I'm a hornball deviant. Like, I'm just being raw with you guys and there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are like this. And I struggled with it and I had had to address it because it was taking away from real happiness, real joy. And when your relationships are failing, you know, my marriage was imploding, like a lot of things were failing because I was over here worrying about the wrong things. And I care more about that when I'm interviewing somebody. I really want to understand, like, from a human level, like, where's the pain come from? Where's the energy come from? What are you doing about it? Almost as if I'm trying to help myself. You know? But as I'm going through that conversation and that journey, um, I'm helping other people along the way. And yes, we're talking money. Of course, it's the Clever Investor Show. We're gonna get to money. We're gonna get to financial intelligence. We're gonna talk about how to make the money matter. But the real conversations are the raw human stuff that me and my friends talk about behind the scenes. When we're up on stage, all you see is the the stage code when i'm behind the scenes and i'm crying in the back that's the real stuff and i want to uncover that in, in the show i love that man that's something
2: that i think you know i've been a uh, uh, an advocate for all just say like men's vulnerability for years now because of the growth that i've come from understanding that you know you have to you have to like admit that shit just to be able to deal with it almost right um, so I appreciate that you're, you're, you're actively, uh, having those types of conversations and I'm excited to dive into that show. And, uh, when all those episodes are released
0: just before we move in, I'm also funny as hell. I'm not going to lie. True. I'm, I'm cracking <laughs> all away. Uh, like we'll get so deep and then I'll just say some like totally, uh, inappropriate joke. And then everybody just like, it like releases the tension, you know, totally. like, yeah, just to keep the, the conversation a little on the light side. You got to, you got to yeah. keep moving forward. I don't, I'm not trying to create a depressing podcast. <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, just before we jump on like more of the give big element of the, of this particular show with you here, Cody, I just I have to ask you, man, like, and really, really
0: quickly, what do you think every business needs to double down on in the next six months? Well, first off, you can't be playing defense. You got to be playing offense. So, you know, defense should have been happening the last six months. The last six months, you should have been cutting costs. You should have been getting rid of anybody who was playing small and not a good fit. You should have been on an absolute bender hiring spree to hire super badass talent. And get prepared. Think about what's happening right now. We have a currency crisis happening. We printed $5 trillion. It's spiraling everything out of control. Here in the United States, the Fed is pumping the brakes on the real estate industry. They're pumping the brakes on all finance lending The stock market is crashing, crypto crashed, NFTs are freaking worthless. Like literally everything just came to a screeching halt because they raised, they made it so expensive to borrow money that everything just got super insanely expensive. You pair that with the COVID in, uh, you know, supply demand challenges. And all of a sudden the whole market just grinds to a screeching halt, which means mass layoffs are coming which means jobs will be downsizing. Lots of talent will be hitting the market. Lots of customer acquisition opportunity will be coming for people who are playing offense. Now is the time to get loud. Now is the time to push your marketing message out there as aggressively as you can. You need to raise your enthusiasm, raise your intention, lean in on people don't care about jets and jet skis and mansions and lifestyle. That was the last six years. The next six years is life preservers. People are scared and they're starting to feel the pain. They're running out of money. They're maxing up the credit cards. There's no more free government money being handed out. They can't borrow money. They got themselves into way too much lifestyle stuff during the last few years. Now they're trying to unwind all that. You're going to see the luxury watch market crash. You're going to see the real estate market crash. Sale, um because job losses, people will be selling their real estate. They will be offloading all their toys. They should have been doing that the last six months, but now they're going to be doing it. So the opportunities are of this transfer of wealth is happening, and it's only going to be people that are the loudest. Your marketing has to be gunning, aggressive, all all day, every day, the loudest, your whole team. I'd go to every one of my team members and say, guess what? Every one of you is now in my marketing department. Your job is to scream as loud as you can on every social platform and every email and every text message, as much as you can, word of mouth, get the word out. This is what we're doing. Love it, man. Thank you for that
2: advice. And I couldn't agree more. Now onto the give big side. Uh, I know that you've worked with uh, our dear friend, Nicole as well, uh, with his orphanage down there. And I recently saw this photo of you down there, like playing with the kids and it's such a special moment when, when you're there, like, physically hand-in-hand hand playing with, you know, these kids and and kind of being on ground zero. So I want to ask it like, what what is being on ground zero? Like, how does it motivate you to go bigger, to get bigger?
0: Yeah, it's all of it. It's everything. Look, donating money is cool. Donating and being physically there is a whole other experience. And here's the reality. Business is so hard. Making big money is so hard that if all I was doing it for was the money, I I would quit. I wouldn't do it. Because the pain is too heavy. I just go get a job and make 150 grand a year or whatever skill I could and get as much as I could and just work for somebody else. And that was that. But when you are staring at one of these kids, underprivileged, has absolutely no hope, no resources, but yet here we are, these amazing human beings that are solving all of their biggest challenges and giving them a path to have a sturdy foundation, a safe place to live, healthy environment, you know, food, drinking water, stuff to play with, things that just allow them to just be kids. Uh, it, it, it changes the energy. Now I'm willing to get up in the middle of the night and solve my computer. I mean, like my, um, my website crashing i'm calling everybody hey we got to we got to we got to hurry up and get up and fix this problem it allows me to push through when i'm tired or i feel like man i just need a break it's like no these kids they need you they need you to elevate they need you to push through this pain and when you're fighting for something bigger than yourself that's the magic and when you can convince your business and all of your team members at your company to get in alignment with that mission they become they don't become employees they become real, in alignment team members that are on a mission to, for this case, help kids. For in my real estate business, it's to save elephants. You know that's why we started our, our green elephant development. is on a mission to donate millions of dollars to elephant conservation. That's our mission. I I love elephants. They're majestic. They're wise. They're beautiful. But there's an they're they're being killed for their ivory. They're, they're, you know, these humans are encroaching on their territory. You ever watch an elephant dying? It's the saddest thing you've ever seen. The whole herd gets around. They're like humans. They like, they like bury their own. Like it's, they're, they're they're amazing. And there's a tremendous need for people to step up and, and find a mission, find a purpose, get your team behind it, and then figure out how to integrate it in your business. And that's the, the make money matter concept. I had never heard of a for-purpose business. I always just thought I make money. And then on personally, I donate some. Yeah. It's another thing to build it into the business model. And it's a great marketing thing. I think it actually serves the business. You know, I build it whenever I build a house. So I I spec build a lot of like two and three million dollar houses. When the owner gets the keys at the end of the project, they get a book. That book's shows before and after pictures and all all the pictures of their project as we were building it out. And then there's a section about giving back. And it tells, it has an elephant that we sponsored. It shows the elephant's name. It shows a bio of where the elephant lives and who's taking care of the elephant. And it shows the donation amount that we made on behalf of that project. And um, they get an elephant doormat and an elephant doorknocker and like just all this like little swag and stuff. And it, it... the, I can't tell you how many people show this book off to their friends, their neighbors, their family, saying, look, at my house has a story behind it. My, we, by building and buying through Great Elephant Development, uh, they're saving elephants. You should talk to them if you want to build a house. And we've gotten so much business just by integrating and making our mission built into our business model.
1: Creating that experience is so special. I've heard you talk about it so many times and and it's just so uh, smart marketing wise, but it's also like you're genuinely doing it because you're a good human. You want to do that anyways. And then you're just benefiting the marketing side to your customers on the other end to show them what you're doing. I love it. It's so smart and so cool. Um, One of the other things that you're uh, becoming a very big fan of is uh, you and Cole host a bunch of events and you guys have raised some insane amount of money at events. What's, what's that experience like for you when you're up on stage and you're, and you're raising that kind of money and and we're talking, you know, multiple six figures per event. You guys do a few events. I think you're over seven figures now, almost on, on what you've raised. What is that initiative as well when you have that attention from stage to raise money?
0: Yeah, just in 2022, we raised over a million dollars. So, um, it's fantastic. You know what it is? You... Our events aren't like a lot of events. It's not like a pitch fest or anything like that. We're really there. We're teaching. We're we're hanging out. We're we're having a great time. We're learning together. We're masterminding together, and it becomes like this energy, this community. And we would be selfish to keep the charity side of our lives to ourselves. And when you open up and you share with the the the, you know, the attendees of the event, it's, you'd be surprised how many of them say, yeah, I want to get involved in that. How do I get involved? In I would love to go down to the orphanage and help these kids. I would love to support, you know, maybe, you know, cancer research or, you know, s- saving wild animals. And all we had to do, it wasn't our We just had to give people a platform and say, hey, here's what we're getting behind for this event. And every one of my events get behind something. I knew that, um, so Cole actually owns an orphanage in Mexico. I knew that he had plans of expanding that orphanage. And I said, hey, at our next event, let's raise some money for the orphanage. I think we can raise three, four, Um, And we did in eight minutes. That's how generous and powerful the event was. We were all blown away. Cole was crying. Sonia's crying. I'm crying. I'm just like, wow, this... The, the giving spirit in this entrepreneur community was just overwhelming. And guess what? That money was immediate, 100% of it, not 90%, 100% went towards exactly what we said we were going to do. We bought all the land next to um, his original orphanage. We were building the medical facilities. We're building the sports facilities. We're building the all the other uh, living compound and structures and uh Uh, Just stuff for the community. It will radically change this community in Mexico. This one event will radically change the community. How do we do that in everything we do? Mm -hmm. Now I'm motivated to go through three more events because I know, yeah, not only are we going to learn and mastermind and network and have a good time, but we're going to actually make a pretty big impact by the end of the event.
2: I love it, man. That story's just giving me goosebumps and I'm excited to watch the journey. You know, I've been down there a few times now and, and, uh, the impact that, that you guys are having and it's just incredible. Um, you know, watching some of the kids grow up over the years, it's been, it's been a delight obviously. And speaking of goosebumps, is there a moment of giving that you can think back on that doesn't have to be the biggest check you ever owed or anything like that, but it's just like pulls the heartstrings for you
0: every time you think about it? I've had a few really great moments, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like weird. I'm the guy that'll leave $5,000 to the waitress, you know, that I was talking to and she was telling me that she's, you know, struggling type thing. And I just, I'm weird. I'll just leave a $5,000 tip. And that. that's all good. But like the, the one that stands out the most for me, uh, was when we were down at the orphanage in Mexico And I noticed that they were hanging all of their clothes on these strings. And there was hundreds of garments strung all over all these strings. And and these poor ladies were like (laughs) hand-washing, excuse me, they were hand-washing all the kids' clothing. And I'm like, don't you guys have washer and dryers and stuff? And they're like, no, they broke a while ago. 30 minutes later, we had washers and dryers showing up, brand new washers. I just went down and I bought a bunch of washers and dryers. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, these, these people, the simplest things we take for granted. I wanted to I wanted to donate and, and give them that. So even though that was not, we, we weren't planning on or, or budgeting it, I just did it out of my own pocket, they were crying. These ladies were crying, crying, and they were crying on my shoulder. And it was the most beautiful moment. Because something I don't ever think about, that I to- totally take for granted, made such a massive impact on them that for an hour, they just kept coming up to me and coming up, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And it just felt so good that uh, we could solve a problem like that without even thinking. I never even thought about the money. I never missed the money. It was not even a thing. It was like, yeah, I got it. Let's, let's take care of this. So that, that probably was my favorite moment. That's beautiful, ma'am. Yeah, I just wish I could do more. I want to do more of those moments. Yeah, you know, and I want to be there on site when it happens. Yeah, I think there's something about physically donating your time that's a little different. Like when I donate to the the elephants and stuff, I'm I i do not see yeah. it all the time, you know. But when you're there, it's yeah. it's it's crazy. Charlie, Charlie Rocket
1: does a lot of that stuff where he just makes dreams come true. He just drives around and hears people's dreams and then just delivers on them. And it's, it's, I think there's something so profound about that. So, um, but as we, uh, wrap up our interview here, it's been phenomenal, man. You've just delivered unstoppable gold this entire time. So, uh, I'm, I'm fired up for it, but we do have one last, uh, one last little segment for you. It's called the giving round. Just some questions about giving rapid fire answers. Are you ready for them? Hit me. Cool. Uh, brag on one charity that you like that isn't Green Elephant or Make Money Matter. One charity
0: I like, I would say Chandler Compadres. They're a local um, men's group here. They, they're, uh, they raise money for underprivileged kids here in my community. I'm a member of that men's group, and we are the largest supporter of the um, local YMCA and a bunch of kids programs. For underprivileged kids here in my community. So that's one of the things that I kind of do. I don't talk a lot about it, but we raise about $2 million per year and donate it. We're the we're the number one contributor to the YMCA and a bunch of after school programs for underprivileged kids. That's awesome, man. What would get you more excited? Donating
2: a $1 million check or spending a week physically helping others?
0: Donating a one million dollar check, I think that would make more impact than me actually being there helping. Although I would, I would personally get more rewarding yeah. feeling being there, but I would make more impact with a million dollar check. that who inspires you with their giving? You know, Cole does. Cole Cole's one of those friends of mine that there he's 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 probably made the biggest impact. Personally, when it comes to making my money matter, not only did he teach me about four purpose businesses, but the guy like, owns a freaking orphanage. You know, oh, it's like I don't have many friends I could brag a- about. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, my boy owns a gen. I'm like, yeah, my best friend owns an uh, orphanage. So there's that, you know? <laughs> awesome. Uh, do you think that entrepreneurs should
2: include a line of giving in their business from day one or after they've seen some success and have some money in the bank?
0: I think it would serve them to do it on day one because it does make you fight for something bigger than yourself. And I think it's easy to integrate into your whole operation. It's great for marketing. It's a good story, and it makes you feel good. Beautiful, man. Uh, What do you think of or what's the first thing you think of when you hear go big to give big? I think people are playing way too small. There's way too much need out there, and you can impact a lot more than you're currently doing. And it's your obligation to go big. It's your obligation to be successful. Why? Not because, you know, you got to be the one to go get, become a multimillionaire. It's what you're going to do with it, right? How, what legacy are we going to leave this planet when we're gone? They say you die two times, right? They say you die two times when you die and when people stop talking about you. And for me, I want people to talk about me forever because of the impact that they're never going to talk about me for my real estate portfolio. This is not going to happen but they will talk about me if we have orphanages all over third world countries that are uplifting underprivileged kids
2: yeah. your success is somebody else's miracle
0: uh, in one word
2: describe the feeling you get when you give grateful
1: love it man Big on the final question we got for you uh, I know you've been asked this question I know you got a good answer for me so do you believe that money can buy you happiness
0: yes in a way Um, because you can make a lot of impact with it. Real joy and happiness doesn't come... Well, it comes from the internal work that you do, but it comes when you really are connected and you're able to show love and solve big problems and really help other people. For me, I float through life when I'm giving and when I'm supporting others and providing for others. If I make it all about me and it's a very selfish energy... I, I can never have enough, right? Um, it's 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 a negative thing. So, yeah, absolutely. I think money can buy you happiness, but not luxury items. Yeah, I think that's the distinction. I bought a Rolls Royce one time. This is true story. I bought a Rolls Royce one time. I thought, man, I've wanted this car my whole life. It was all black, murdered out, twenty four inch Forgiato rims, white interior. Uh, it was a Mansouri Ghost. Hey, for a car guy out there, you're going to know what a Mansuri is. Spent a fortune. Half a million bucks. I had the car about six months before I gave it away. And when I say I gave it away, I gave it away. I gave it to one of the the people that worked for me, my number one sales guy. I said, hey, you like the car more than I do. You can have it. Because what I realized is the car wasn't what I was really wanting. And you talk to rich people all the time. And they're like, "Yeah, I, uh, I've always wanted the Lambo. Or I always wanted the the ability to do certain things, but that's really not it. Once you have it, you're over it within minutes, and you're on to the next thing."
1: Love that answer, man. That is so amazing and so spectacular, and Cody. Man, we could not be more excited for you to come in and just everything you've shared with us. It has been a phenomenal episode. Uh, you've just enlightened us so much, and I hope inspired anybody that listened to that because I was uh, absolute fire that you dropped the whole time. I want to give you a second to break in yourself. Where can people find you? Where do you want to push people? Uh, How can they just get more of your content to be more involved with you?
0: Yeah. So I'm at Clever Investor on all social platforms. Um, My YouTube channel, if you're into financial literacy or entrepreneur talks, um, making money as a real estate investor, you're going to want to go check out the Clever Investor YouTube channel. But really come come listen to my podcast. You know, you're listening on a podcast right now. Come listen to my podcast. See if it's if it's something that you resonate with. We'd love to have you as a as a listener. The Clever Investor Show on all streaming platforms, wherever your podcasts um are are living and uh, also on my YouTube channel. So search for Clever Investor Show and you'll find it.
1: Beautiful man. Well thank you again for coming out, inspiring us to go bigger with our dreams and goals so that we can give bigger with our profits and uh just so excited to watch what you're going to do uh in the next few years here as you amass more wealth and do more good with man so thanks for coming on
0: appreciate
2: you guys thanks cody
1: thank you for listening to the show if you know someone who's an example of go big to get big we would love if you could share this with them we want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can and it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends also if you enjoyed the show Take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.